0: What's going on, guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Let's Just Talk podcast. I have no idea what number it is. I probably should have looked up on that. I think it's about number 216 or 217 we're on, but um, I'm super excited. Um, everyone knows that I am a wannabe pastry chef. I love I love um, pastries. I love baking, and I love the precise science nature that kind of comes with baking, but this guy that I've got on, I have just felt fallen in love with his kind of style of cooking and kind of the way he goes about it. I probably am presuming this, but please correct me if I'm wrong, Martin, that um, from what I get from your videos, you're very much, let's throw this in, let's throw that in. And it it runs my OCD wild because I'm like, no, give me an exact number. I don't like it like that. But I've loved kind of challenging myself by watching your videos and trying to become a bit more open with my cooking. But um, Martin, with that introduction,
1: thank you for joining us mate. Right? Oh no, thank you for having me. I, I get a lot of messages about people cooking with OCD and like, what? Tell me exactly everything that you're doing. And I'm like, I don't know half the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think what drew
0: me to, I guess, your um, your videos and I guess your style of cooking um, as well. But I guess for people who don't know, I, I only saw a video the other day and you explained what your <laughs> handle name is, because I was like, is it? Lago, mo chef, lagom, yeah, yeah. and then I think you said it was lagom chef, is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's a Swedish word. It's it's pronounced lagom, like so the the a and the lagom is la, but I'm from Essex, like a weird place in London. That does outside London, so my accent doesn't allow me. <laughs> so i'm called lagom chef lagom chef uh, it's a beautiful word it's um it's basically almost part of like a philosophy in in swedish culture so it means not too much not too little just the right amount so for 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 anything in life you know like if you if you overdo something obviously it's going to be bad for you if you underdo it you're not going to be fully immersed but if you hit that sweet spot it's just perfect so for me with cooking and like my focus is on food waste and creativity within cooking is if you have too much of an ingredient or too much ingredients in your house, then you're going to have this overwhelming pressure of like having to use stuff up and you would always create waste because you've always walked past some ingredients. You're like, oh, I've got too much of stuff. If you haven't got enough, which I sort of talk lots about is like my dry store. It's, it's ridiculous. My dry store, I'd never recommend having the amount of stuff I have, but this perfect amount of dry store stuff, which allows you to be creative, like create dishes on the fly that's uh if you don't have enough of that you can't be creative and then if you have this sweet spot of like a functioning dry store, not too much ingredients then you won't create waste and you have this perfect medium so yeah it's a lot deeper than you think there's not a couple of words <laughs> can, can it be used in a sentence or is it just like
0: more of a a terminology of just kind of embrace this kind of idea of
1: lag, lagom like how, is it used in a sentence or yeah, is it yeah. just yeah it's more of like a terminology so okay. even think of fitness right like if you if you overcook your fitness you'll have doms you'll like be you'll be knackered you, you'll you be burning out if you don't do enough obviously you're not going to get the results you want but if you hit that perfect point of having rest and exercise then you know you, you'll, you'll be spot on and you'll be all right so yeah literally anyway you'll see it everywhere now
0: yeah it's it's the red car analogy <laughs> yeah you, know, you just buy a red car and all of a sudden there's a the thousand red cars on the road
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um I mean, can you tell me a bit about, I guess, your background of um, chefing as it is? Like, has food always been something that, you know, you've been interested in yourself or is it kind of, it was in the family? Like, how did you kind of get into cooking and being more interested around food?
1: Um, yeah, so I always get asked this. and it's always a very sort of like weird one because my mum's a dentist, my dad's a, an artist or he used to be an art teacher. So I never really had that, like, my dad's a chef or you had like, you went to lots of restaurants. But yes, yeah, so when I was like, I, th- I think it kind of came from do, do you have argas in Australia? I don't think arga is a thing in Australia. It's like a it's like a kind of oven that you keep on consistently. So you have like a bottom oven and then you have a top oven and the top oven's hot and the bottom oven's like a cooler version and it's just like something that would heat our house. Okay. Um, but then we were brought up with that. It's quite a middle class thing. They're quite expensive, but they're like you know a heating element. So I always used to cook on that. I was always fascinated like you could cook straight onto the the solid top, you could like comfy things in the bottom oven. So, I started working in restaurants when I was like 15, but I'd always enjoyed, you know, going, what can I do with this? And um, yeah, as I sort of like worked in places, it was like, you know, you're peeling the potatoes tonight, you're dressing the salad, you know, and then you slowly got more and more, you know, um, responsibility, I suppose. And then I sort of fell in love with it, but then kind of like didn't really want to do it as a career path because social, you know, the social hours of it are just like non existent, you know, it's really bad. So, I kind of did a bit of catering work working for catering companies where you do the odd job here and there and then it was when I was about I think 20 I um I went and worked in restaurants in London that was like my first full-time job um but I prior to this I I went and did a comedy tour for a bit which is a famous Aussie one probably shouldn't talk about it on this if there's kids present um and and I did that for three years uh and it was involved nudity you probably know if you're an Aussie what one it was
0: (laughs) puppetry of the penis.
1: so I did that there you go. Yeah. Well,
0: it's it's funny. I mean, funny you bring that up. The guy who started that, Justin yeah. Morley. Um, I actually yeah. know very well. He was a client of mine. Um, because I'm I'm an exercise physiologist, and so I I you know when you gave that analogy in the fitness uh, industry, um, that yeah. that's exactly what I'm in. Um, so Justin obviously started all that, did that for many years, and it's funny. Full circle event. He became a marriage celebrant. And wow. He, <laughs> He, he says it like this. And so when you say, oh, I don't know if children listen, I've got, I've got, I always put an explicit rating on this. So you can say what you like and do what yeah, you yeah. like. It's, it's fine. But okay. he um, he basically said, I just got sick and tired of interviewing dicks all day. And so he's like, yeah. I need to have something else to do. Like, I just don't want to look at dicks all the time <laughs> kind of thing. Is, I'm watching guys do the helicopter or the, the wristwatch or whatever, you know, the kind of tricks are and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and so from there, he became a marriage, marriage celebrant. In fact, he was my marriage celebrant. And a lot of people don't, like, didn't know who he was. He was just this charismatic, fun guy. And that's why we wanted him as a celebrant for our wedding. Yeah, um, yeah. But I've only told a very few people that the guy who was our marriage celebrant actually used to get his well, dick on you. Stage kind of thing. So now I've said this, there's thousands of people they're going to know. But, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, as you said, it's a very well-known comedy show in yeah, Australia. So, so, at, Justin's, at
1: least. so Justin's brother, Simon, is that who yeah, I knew. Yeah. So there's Simon, Simon and Friendly were like the two original boys. And then Justin was like yeah, the brother of Simon. So yeah, yeah I weird like, it's a very long-winded story, but very weirdly, I got involved in that and did it for three years. So I met him out in Australia. So when I was doing the tour for six months after the tour, I would go and work in kitchens. That was kind of like my, you know, my out and the food thing, and then the, the tour life. It was, it was really a bit mad, like 19-year-old yeah, kid doing imagine. that, but it was it was fun um so yeah so that was my like hiatus away from food really and then after that like all finished for me I was like I, I kind of want to do something in in chefings that's when I went and became a chef at a restaurant in London uh found a really lovely place and was there for like five years uh learned a lot while I was there and then yeah just worked in restaurants 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 and then I did a degree in photography uh, when I was like 25, went to uni at 25. Like I was like the old man on campus, which was quite weird because I would had this sort of like, I'd say rock and roll lifestyle, you know, a bit mad for like a 19 year old kid to be touring around Australia and whatnot. Um, to then go to uni and all these kids are like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time to drink a beer. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. So um, when I was there at the same time, I was working at a cookery school. So I did four and a half years at a cookery school, like full-time doing my degree. So then I had this sort of like presenting element. I'd obviously been on stage. I was quite confident talking to people and all that kind of stuff. And then food and presenting kind of like came naturally. Yeah. And then it's kind of just bled into becoming or doing stuff on on social media really. And was,
0: I mean, was that just a natural blend over for you? Because as you said, you, you just felt comfortable in front of a camera or was there like a, a, a sparking moment where, you know, I think I can do this better than what I'm seeing or I'm going to talk to a different demographic. Because, I mean, when I usually see, I mean, my feed when you kind of go through TikTok or social media is usually pastry chefs, um, fitness stuff, or kind of yeah. the, the typical kind of things that like someone dancing to, you know, the lip sync type stuff that you see on TikTok, which I try and scroll past as quick as I can. So the <laughs> algorithm doesn't think, oh, you enjoyed that. I'll feed more of that you. But yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I can't remember. There's two guys that are on um, the pastry chef side of it at the moment. One, I think, I mean, I think they're both French, but one, I think, has a store in the UK, and he he does all, and he does these massive batches um, of things, and then feeds the stuff to the crowd outside. And again, I said this to you at the start that I love the precise nature of like baking and pastry chefing, and that yeah. if it says thirty six point two grams or something, use thirty six point two grams because my dad was actually a chemist. And so that's kind of where right. <laughs> he was very precise. He he made um, cancer drugs um, and manufactured cancer drugs. He's, and so obviously that precise nature is where that kind of comes from. But yeah. was there a kind of, I guess, a, a moment when you were doing, as I said, you were just kind of, maybe you started filming something or whatever that you're like, I think i got something here. People seem to really latch onto this. They're yeah. not just <clears throat> wanting this precise stuff. They're loving my kind of haphazard nature of it.
1: Yeah, it, it it was actually like a really mad transition because like I said I was always quite confident and stuff. But when I started my social media, I never I, I was just posting pictures because I was like, I, I I don't know if people will buy into me. I was like, I everyone's like, oh, you're such a charismatic person. I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I I just did photos for like ages, and everyone's like, you need to start doing videos. And so I was like, yeah. And then so I did my Instagram for maybe three or two two and a bit years. And got a few sort of like, you know, people going, oh, you're so funny, like, you know, nothing really picked up. And then my TikTok, maybe what was it? Um May. May was when it like my first video went viral. And then from there, I just kind of like kept it up. But for me, it was like TikTok dropped all barriers. Instagram's like very like everything has to be nice, you have to have a good thumbnail, it, your feed has to look pretty. TikTok is just like all rules go out the window you just be you and if people buy into you brilliant because tiktok is like more of an entertaining platform than instagram i know there's a lot of sort of like crossover but because i've been talking to a lot of people at tiktok now because my account's gone like good (laughs) (laughs) it's like they they say to you like the, 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 the the pillars of content are entertainment um and their education so you know and then your niche whatever you want to be within that is what gets pushed so if you create entertaining educational content with food then your content's going to be pushed and that's what I've kind of felt so a long-winded answer to like people loving my haphazard approach to cooking is the fact that chefs are very like you said like you, the, the famous saying is that you can make a, a chef out of a baker but you can't make a baker out of a chef mm. right so for me to become a baker I like it's I could measure things, but I'm just a bit like, Oh, what if I put a bit of this in we'll completely ruin things. And I get <laughs> that that's, you know, but it's in my nature to be a bit creative like this. So I I, I find the baking world fascinating. Um, but I think where people have really connected with me is that I've been a chef, like I said, since I was like 15, I know how to cook, I'm, but I'm not a chef chef. Who's going to be like, this is the only way to do it. You know, Oh, if you haven't cooked it medium rare, then your steak is terrible. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm just like, cook food how you like it you may like something too salty you I may like something that's like really bland you know everyone's got a different personal taste so for me to come in there and be like if you want to add this go for it if you don't don't worry about it then people are kind of going like oh what well, there are no rules and I'm like there are no rules you know and it's broken down a lot of barriers for people and like I get so many messages of people just going like thank you Thank you for like getting me back into cooking. I've really found this newfound love for like just being like having fun, being playful in the kitchen again. And I think that's what it's about for me is just getting people excited because yeah, that, the, the top line message for me is food waste. Like number one, I want people to stop creating food waste in their home. I started my channels very much like you're wasting food. Like there's X amount of waste, da, 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 da and it just fell on like empty is that people were just like great we see it all the time you know oh it's bad you know but then when I flipped my message in was like let's cook creatively and have fun and eat you know the solution to food waste in a home is eating the food you buy very very simple let's be creative have fun eat food that will solve food waste so now my front message is like let's just have fun and be creative in the kitchen and uh it's Yeah, it's resonated really well with people.
0: Was that the video for you then? I mean, do you know the video that first went viral? Was it when that kind of message did kind of change and it was a slightly different cooking one where you're like, I'm just going to have fun. I found this in the cupboard. I found this. And was that the kind of, was it something else that kind of really sparked and took off?
1: (laughs) Something really random. Yeah, it was, um, so it's kind of weird. Like the, The one that went viral was I froze ginger and then I grated frozen ginger on a microplane and for me I use ginger all the time and I had never done it before I saw it on online I saw the hack and I was like oh would that really work I just put my phone I always used to just put my phone on like an egg box and that was my tripod like basic setup and I just went up and I was like right I've seen this hack I put some ginger in the fridge. let's have a go and I did it and it blew my uh, genuinely like the reaction was so like natural because it just blew my mind and I was like this 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 can't be right, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was just doing it, and it was coming out like snow, and I was just like, no way. So then I basically posted the video, and I was like, oh, that's quite funny, you know, like whatever. i Put it on TikTok. I opened my phone up like three days later because I never really knew how to use TikTok, and I just posted stuff on there randomly. My notifications—I'd <laughs> never seen anything like it. Were like like ninety nine plus is when you go over. Like they don't tell you you've got a thousand. Don't forget, like sure. ninety nine. I was like, what's this? pressed it i was like i think i've done something wrong comments like 1.5 million views like i had something like 8000 followers like overnight i was like uh so i started replying to all these comments trying to learn tiktok i was like uh. and then i realized you can reply with uh, a video so i was like this is brilliant this is my medium so like mm. like instagram stories is quite organic like you just film yourself chatting that's what i did on tiktok and i was just like right someone wants me to freeze ginger i was like here we go someone wants me to freeze garlic a potato you know lemongrass chili it just went weird and i just started doing it and i was just like right filling up my freezer with stuff and then every day i just posted like right this is me using garlic this is my reaction and people were like what you can do this and i was like i didn't know i'm learning with you and and this was the thing like some of them are done before and i was like i've done the chili before but for people they were learning with me and it was this amazing sort of like wave and then a few times I went out and people were like, oh, You're the you're the frozen greater guy. And I was like, Oh shit. Am I gonna get known? Is that is that me? Am I gonna be known as the frozen greater guy? So I, I slowly started like like not posting that content as much and started pushing a few more like recipe videos and like tutorial videos. And now I've sort of like blended out of yeah. <laughs> the frozen greater guy. But um yeah, people carried on staying and like loving the videos, and it's just been it's been good. So yeah. Funny. Just, I
0: mean, before I kind of ask you a bit more of a, a chef-based type question, does your mind go yeah, straight yeah. to kind of business then with regards to, I mean, as soon as you started saying that, I was starting to think, like, you should have bought out a microplane then, like, yeah, know, Lugum chef, <laughs> microplane, and like, have you been approached yeah. by, like, is that kind of where your head goes with social media, or is this just all fun for you, and you're just, you're going to cook, and like, I don't care what happens on the social media side, so it's just a, a place for me to post.
1: Yes so there was like two sides of it there was like I'd been doing my business which was all about like food waste wanting to be not an influencer I don't want to be an influencer but a content creator and have a voice about food waste and I was struggling on Instagram like I had 20,000 followers but like no work was coming in I was looking for those brand deals and then yeah then the microplane thing happened and then I was like I'm very sort of like anti-tacky things like I know you said it like your mind went to like microplane but I was just like it's not really me it's I, I'm such like a I know this word probably gets thrown around a lot but I'm quite like authentic and quite natural like I'm not going to go oh there's a brand deal I'm going to do it I'm like I'll do something that's right for me um, so the microplane thing I was like people can buy a microplane like having Legom Chef microplane yes could be a good thing to do but for me it might just instantly cheapen what i'm doing and it, sure. my thing was just like anyone can go and buy a microplane or whatever elsewhere so growing my following was like firstly was like i know that brand deals will come in so this was like great this is this is where you make money as a content creator so i was like fantastic and then on the other side of it i was like it's rekindled my like joy of like discovery and cooking which i always say to people is a brilliant thing because i was like gonna have to start thinking differently I'm gonna to have to start coming up with ideas for this frozen greater series so I started doing like fermented black bean like frozen logs and they were amazing I was like this is genuinely brilliant and really fun so yeah there was the commercial side of it yes which I haven't even done anything with yet because I'm like you know my audience know me I'm so open with them like TikTok shop have come to me and said we really want you on there. And I said, well, at the minute, you've got nothing on there. You've got absolute shit. I'm not going to be selling like a 12 in one slapper chopper or selling pickles because that's not me. Get brands that I use and I would happily tag them. But at the minute, no, I'm not going to sell out for you know for anything. So, yeah, there was that aspect really, which was, you know, and TikTok, people can see through straight away. People that go, oh, I built my following. Here's a course. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, <laughs> I've done this here's my merch you know I'm really open with people and people are like you should do merch and I'm like right what do you want this isn't about me I will do some merch that will make me cut you know even so I spend the money you know don't worry about any profit as long as people are benefiting from what I'm doing I'm I'm happy and like I said I want to use my power you know my my following to get stuff for people you know like if I can like for example I got low got a pan you know, company that are like on at me and I'm like, well, give me a load of free pans I can give away in a competition and then we can talk, you know, I don't need lots of stuff. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, what can I do that will benefit my audience? And that's, you know, people have gone like, he's a man of the people. And I'm like, I am, you know, if I can (laughs) get, if I can use my power for the good then great.
0: No, I love that. And I guess to come back to the message that, you know, you've said multiple times today, and it it certainly Mm -hmm. stuck out in your videos in that you do it in a really I think a crafty way. And I don't mean that to be like a sneaky way. I mean, I think it's a really um, genuine and authentic to use your wording um, type way in that food wastage is such a major problem um, around the world, especially in the, you know, us developed people, where we just go to the shops, buy something and throw half of it out because it sits in the fridge for too long. What really stuck out at um, your videos for me is just how well you use that and how, I mean, from afar the the food looked extremely tasty and the thing that kind of stood out to me is that while you say you're not um, a chef that you know is very chefy you you talk in a chefy way but in a simple way in that you know you've got to blend fat you've got to blend sweet you've got to blend bitter and then you say have you thought of this ingredient you know you might have some cabbage sitting in the bottom there's some bitterness here and we could throw that and like can you just kind of, and this is a kind of, I've got a set of questions because I ask my my audience, hey, I've got this guy coming on. <laughs> what do you want to ask? And I'll yeah. get to them soon. But kind of an overriding message was like, how do I cook cheap, easy meals that taste good? Because I sit there and get weird looks from my kids every single night, like, not this again, kind of thing. Like how do people mm-hmm. kind of, for lack of a better, chef up or jazz up their kind of cooking with the the stuff that is just lying around that normally just gets thrown in the bin. How, where do people start from?
1: Yeah, I, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that you can do. So one of the things that is you know massively important, like I said earlier, is the dry store, is this whole like having ingredients that is almost like at your disposal. You know, like uh, some things may sound a bit far-fetched, but you've got your soys, you know, your misos, your jangs, your vinegars is like a massive one. That'll probably be the one thing that I'll bring out, vinegar merch. <laughs> Okay. um vinegar is such like an amazing ingredient and um as in red know, wine rice resort. wine, like all the different kinds of vinegars yeah 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 so they all have their own you know unique profile of flavor but at the same time they just play that role of acid which is the thing that we always talk about it cuts through fat will like balance out salt balances out bitter it's basically just like the super ingredient of the kitchen like everyone needs to sort of like understand that piece then i would say like techniques that can give you free flavor i talk about that free flavor from when i was like you know always talking about weight loss and stuff and i did a bit of pt and it's like what are the things that you can do that is cooking that isn't going to add extra calories you know i.e oils marinades all that kind of stuff so you've got like char grilling and roasting right char grilling you could take a, a simple peach you know char grill it and then it's instantly transformed you can roast your butternut squash instead of boiling it. And then you get this beautiful sort of like caramelised nutty piece. So it's those little things, those little things that you can play on that are like, all right, I'm going to do a ravioli, for example, like a butternut squash and ricotta ravioli. If you just boiled you know your butternut squash you're going to be extracting quite a lot of flavor from it whereas if you roasted it made that super sweet and super unctuous and amazing on its own then stuff that into a ravioli you're like winning already before you've even sort of like you know started making your ravioli so i think it's thinking about those different techniques in cooking and like i say it's not like the when you say techniques people go oh like sous vide or like you know no like the stuff, the simple things, um, and like I always said about balancing flavours like vinegar or acid, like lemon juice, lime juice, you know, ponzu, all of those kind of things. Chefs add them for a reason. And <clears throat> I actually got a message from someone who said, asked the same question and the best way to get good at cooking at home is to taste before you add any seasoning and taste before you add anything extra, because you'll, the way you get good at cooking is training your palate. You don't just instantly go, Oh, I like that. You know? So like start with making a very basic tomato sauce. It's the best lesson, like tomatoes on their own, roast them, blend them down, taste it and then go, Oh, it's a bit bland. Add a bit of salt taste again. You go, oh, that's done something. Add a splash of balsamic taste it. And you're like, Oh my God, add a little bit of brown sugar. Oh my God, you know, it's these levels of like understanding what changes. That's what you need to understand to be good, I think. And um, that's why I talk a lot about flavors. And, and and
0: my my mind just lights up when you start saying that, because I, I love that process, Um, especially when, yeah. again, I'm doing it in baking itself. I mean, I think that tomato one is great. I've, I mean, again, you, you have these kind of expertise. I've never thought of how bland a tomato can be, but then by little things that get added to it, all of a sudden you have, you know ketchup or sauce or whatever it kind of is it just kind of ignites a palate. my head just kind of started laughing because i think of a sommelier who sits there and goes and sniffs wine and go mm, i've got notes of tennis ball and blueberries and things like <laughs> i i always sit there and go where the hell are you getting tennis ball leather and blueberries from is
1: that just- he's a posh man that eats blueberries <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is is that the similar to a palette though as well? Like I, I I sit there and laugh at sommeliers when they do that. But I mean, I presume they have spent decades smelling yeah. everything underneath the sun to get those subtle subtle notes that you and I just can't kind of come across. But is it the same with kind of tasting? Then is like you just got to taste things lots and lots and lots and kind of experiment things. And as you said be unafraid to fail when you go i'll dump this in and eat and like jesus that tastes like garbage i won't do that like is it just a matter of doing that and building that
1: up over time yeah yeah i think this is where there's like a couple of things to this so it's like if you if you buy a cookbook from a very very good chef and you follow that recipe to the tea it will taste how that chef has wanted it to be because he's tested it he's tasted it he's balanced it so when you get some like the big boys cookbooks where they're like a teaspoon of this is a they've worked it out and they've balanced it for you so that's a really good starting point to do something like that and taste chefs like gordon ramsay and jamie oliver's blah 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 blah. they've been cooking for like 40 or 30 odd years and they're eating food every day they're understanding food every day they're around ingredients every day so the stuff that they put out is you know is good for us um The thing with recipes is like I say to the people, use it as a blueprint because everyone has their own palate. You know, I don't like spicy food. So if I was to make a curry and it was like stick four chilies in, I'll probably be like, you know what? I'm just going to put one in because I know I can't deal with it. Um, But I think people need to like I try and say to people is people just need to relax in the kitchen and understand they're not going to be a professional chef overnight. You know, I've been a chef since I was 15 and I've been cooking. I'm immersed in it. I love it it's my, it's my life, right? If you're a banker, your, your life is spreadsheets and money. It's not food like me. So you can't expect to taste things and be like, Oh, I know exactly what that needs. So it's a, it's a way of training. And I think if you enjoy food, then, you know, by all means, you know, get involved in it as much as you can. And tasting is the only way you can change things. And I think these sommeliers that you talk about, I think is, next level but theirs is all nose and in mouth as well and i say in cooking it's all about you know you can smell when toast is burning learn those smells in cooking so you'll know when garlic's catching you will know when seeds are are burning a little bit too much you kind of build up all of these senses so yeah it's a it's very involved cooking so i think that's why people get frustrated with it because they think oh i just put a few things in a pan but that's where i'm trying to break it down and be like look just think of these sort of like Five flavors as the, the base jump off point. You know, you're sweet, you're sour, you're bitter and you're salty. Use those as your real focus. And then from there, you can start branching out and being a bit more specific.
0: With, I mean, you kind of hinted it on there as well. Like the banker, let's call it the single mother who's got a couple of kids. Let's call it the, the busy professional that just, you know, is getting home at six o'clock at night and needs to throw some things together. I know this is like, who who's your favorite child type question and it's impossible to kind of answer but is there something then for that that busy professional busy um parent and just kind of wants to come home I, i've had a long day at work the kids are running me up the wall what's something i can cook in 10 minutes that's gonna be fresh easy cheap and not going to have much wastage because i'm going to use a lot of what i'm actually going to use? like what, what's that meal that you would say it's my go-to. It's going to take me 10 minutes. I can get dinner on the table and more often than not, it's going to be eaten with joy. They're not going to, Ugh, not this shit again kind of thing. Where, where do people start? Yeah.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah but there's, there's a couple of things. I think mean, when you say fresh, I think sometimes it's like one of those things that people instantly ignore the freezer and there are so many like amazing things that you can make and put it in the freezer and think about when I say put things in the freezer, I, I say about making it usable to put things in like a, a curry sauce that is a base curry that is it's got no veggies in it like you've just made an amazing sauce put that in and then it's like whatever you fancy you know like if you've made an amazing rangdang curry base and then you want to put some chickpeas and some veggies in it at the last minute then you can just pull out that sauce warm it up and you can go from there if you've got a, a love for cooking then you can do those kind of things i understand some people are like oh why would i want to make a load like a batch make a load of sauces and put them in the freezer i get that right i get that i'm not going to tell you to do that um my go-to dishes that i think are that i would do pretty much every day is a couscous dish i'd always do couscous because i think couscous is like you know no anyone can get that right right boil a kettle pour it on forget about it a little bit of salt lemon juice oil lovely couscous and then cauliflower is just like, I don't know, I'm just obsessed with cauliflower. I think it's was like, like people were just like, you always do cauliflower. I, I love it. I think it's beautiful. If it's done well, I'm like, what's wrong with it? So, yeah, that like a cauliflower, either roasted or toasted in the pan. Um, and then with a bit of seasoned yogurt, I just and like some Middle Easterny spices like a dukkah or something like that. I always have like pots of dukkah or zatar or those kind of things that are like those. Level up things so you can do something quite simple like couscous, cauliflower, and a seasoned yogurt. Put some like duker on it, and then everyone's like, "Wow, you're a professional chef!" Where all you've done is put some toasted seeds and nuts on top. But <laughs> that would be my kind of thing that I'd always go to. It's it's funny. I, I remember seeing a
0: meme not long ago. It was probably only six months ago about cauliflower. And it was like, whoever is the yeah. marketing team behind cauliflower over the last year, you need to hire them for whatever business isn't doing well at the moment <laughs> because they've turned the most bland, you know, ingredient into now you can buy it as pizza bases, rice, there's risottos, there's now people are, you know, roasting it, they're using it in veggies. And it's not just that veggie that just gets boiled to absolute buggery, and then they pour a bucket load of cheese sauce yeah. over it. And it's like, there's your veggies on the side kind of thing and so it it's i mean i don't like cauliflower and it's probably because i've just got um ptsd from when my mother cooked it as you know the the (laughs) leftover veggie that you have to have on the side i get the roast um potatoes and i get the you know the lovely roast pumpkin and roast um carrot and then Ugh, gotta have the cauliflower you know kind of thing but um <laughs> it, it, it's interesting that you say you said it's it's a favorite of yours but it i do see it everywhere now and as i said i don't know if there's yeah. a marketing team behind it going <laughs> cauliflower here's the amazing things you can do with it
1: it's the, it's the algorithm of tiktok you've probably like gotten cauliflower talk or something yeah. <laughs> you've gone down a rabbit hole but it's amazing though like you have you know like as a a food waste item you have you know the main cauliflower which can break down onto the florets then you have the leaves which are like insanely beautiful which you can just shred down and cook them like any old green you would do you can also like use the stem as well like the stem of the broccoli and the cauliflower things that people just lob off and chuck away but they're they're incredible I did like um a you my friend Connor is like an Irish food waste chef and he does this Sort of play on kimchi, which is just like a fermented, um, like just with salt, no fish sauce, doesn't really follow the Korean vibe, but it's just like a lacto ferment. And um, you know, we do use up like, the fridge kimchi, and you you shred down like you know, the stalk of a broccoli, the stalk of a cauliflower, the leaves, and the yield you would get from those things is quite incredible, and they're just the things that people end up throwing. And um, to touch on it sort of like briefly about food waste, I'm not like one of those people that's like. Oh, we have to turn everything into a powder or a puree, or you know, to use it up. I'm like, let's eat the edible stuff. And leaves and stem are beautiful and edible. They're not weird, you know. Start when you start toasting pepper seeds and eating those. I'm you lose me a little bit, but you know, all of the things that we can actually eat, I'm I'm down for. I guess on that, like,
0: what is the thing that you you have found or that you know of that people do waste the most? Like, what I mean. I just think about kind of my own fridge and what I kind of see get thrown out. It's the, the vegetable, or the fruit that kind of sits in the bottom of the, the tray for too long. Is that kind yeah. of what most people are kind of doing just because it sits there too long and it doesn't, or people, as you said, uh, I'll chop this up, but I don't need this. I'll throw that out when, Oh no, what are you doing? That, that could have been in a great soup or it could have been, you know, kind of, what's the thing that most people tend to waste the most, which if they knew what they could do with it, they could um, actually not waste that as much
1: yeah i i think the main one i've actually i've got a job that's coming up which where they've just done a load of research they just told me a lot of it one of them is uh salad bag salad like you go to the shops you buy a bag of salad you take half of it out and then you're like have that for your dinner and then the other half you just put in the bag and then after like one or two days it starts to wilt and go brown and then you're like oh well that's that's done for um the the number one thing that people waste is potatoes in the uk um and i think it's because it's such a cheap commodity that people just go oh it's just a potato you know it starts to sprout a little bit goes a little bit green and they're like ah, done with it you know so it's not so much they don't know what to do with it it's the mindset of going it's cheap i can just buy more you know and people do that like Oh, I'll look in the fridge and oh, there's one tomato in there. It's gone a bit squishy. I'll move that out of the way so I can make space for my new fresh ingredients that are going in. I think it's that mindset which needs to shift
0: 100%. And I mean, is there a message that, as you said, uh, without kind of sounding preachy, as like, stop wasting food. You're all being horrible yeah. human beings. Kind of like, what is that <laughs> message that kind of people can take home from now, like, you know, listening to this and it's like, yeah, I can do that. Like
1: something easy to kind of make sure that they're not wasting as much food. Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. There's like, I always say to people, like I use the word mindful, but I don't use it in like the hippie way. I use it in the thing that's just like, just be a bit conscious about what you're doing. And it's about people are still in this mindset of like filling a fridge for a week. So they've got food if they get busy or whatever's going on. But I'm always like buy things for a reason. You know, what is the point of buying something if you're just going to put it in the fridge just in case, you know, We, we're not living in a in a time where we can't get hold of something you know we we're, we're so connected to anything and everything and we just need to be yeah like a little bit more mindful about ingredients and having this understanding of making something that you can freeze you know like i said about making a sauce or something if you know use up the use up the fridge soup use up the fridge kimchi make it like a I call them knob ends like if you've got like half an onion and a couple of bits of celery or make a sauce you know just make a a, a random veg sauce that you can just freeze down, and then you can use it for the base for anything. You could put it through, I don't know, your meat if you want to make a lasagna, if you wanted to make a moussaka, if you wanted to, you know, make a soup from it. You know, just use ingredients and turn them into something that can be used later on. Um, and if you if you don't know what to do with them, I'm sure we all have neighbours that would be more than happy to take a tomato off of you. You know, it's <laughs> it's the weird world that we just live in that we just like we don't communicate like that. You know. Mm there's i don't know if you have it in australia there's an app called olio um or too good to go are two sort of big apps um so olio is basically a neighbor sharing app so you think of anything you're, you're like it could be not even food related you're like i've got a drill and you just put it on there but like, i'm not using it and then someone will be like oh i need a drill can i borrow it of course you can mate like, there you go it's on the app they do it with food so if you, if i've got stuff in my dry store which i have a lot of that people send me and i'm like i don't actually need it I could just put it on there and be like, I've got 10 jars of jam because I had to do a jam job. Who wants it? You know, and people take it. You know, it's a community thing. And it's like we can talk. We're allowed to. We're human beings. We can <laughs> communicate. <laughs> and like, I don't mean to be a downer, but like lockdown was beautiful for that because we moved into a new build flat with like uh, like 30 flats. And, you know, we had an internal WhatsApp group. So everyone was just like, oh, I've got this. Does anyone want this? You know, and it it was an internal olio and it was you know, why don't we do this more often And you know, I cook a lot of content or cook a lot of stuff for my content and I put on the group. I'm like, I've just done a whole pork shoulder. There's only two of us in our house. Who wants a burger? Ah! Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just communicate with people and share things. I mean, someone will bite your hand off for like half a cucumber, I reckon. You never know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that right now. You know, um, I went out for lunch because I said it was my um, wife's birthday. And as I shared with you offline, um, when we booked this in, I completely forgot that it was my wife's birthday. So she's a bit shirty at the moment that we're having this chat. And I took her out for lunch. And so um, hopefully that kind of cruises it over a bit. But on the um, like notice board out front of the cafe that we went to um, for lunch, said, sorry, we have no Wi-Fi here. But what you can do is talk to the person that's across the um, Um, table from you You can communicate with the staff you could like and it was interesting (laughs) to read that because you know as you said to come full circle back to kind of covid times even though it was locked down and it was terrible what it did do is it made you communicate much more because you had so much time indoors and you know while you might not have been directly in contact with others you were maybe as you said via whatsapp apps or um things like that i have never heard i don't know if it's available in australia but um i'll certainly be looking at it that Olio. Um, whether you start it up (laughs) yeah whether it's here in Australia (laughs) because yeah that I mean that just sounds like a great thing because I I think I mean I could be wrong but I think there's still a bit of a layover effect from COVID in that it's kind of like that big ship that just needs to kind of turn around it's not just a little short thing and so there's that little bit like people kind of got very insular and kind of like oh I need to be on my own and I'm happy to kind of communicate through you know a zoom or you know through an app but talking to my next door neighbor face to face I don't know I don't like but I think if that kind of guard is taken away where you can, you could just message them through an app. I think that's a great thing to kind of be able yeah, to do. And
1: I, um, I'm, I'm one of the, my wife's like that. I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, I lean into the awkwardness and into the weirdness. I'm just like, I'll go and knock on a neighbor's door in my pants and be like, Hey, I've got this. Do you want some? And she's like, what are you doing? Uh, I take, this is a funny one. This is completely off topic, but it will kind of like show how the kind of person I am um <laughs> i uh i've got two friends one one called well they're both called john and this is where the confusion came from so i've got one that's a photographer that lives upstairs and i've got another friend john who i've never met and we've been trying to organize to do a photo shoot because he's just become a photographer and the the, the john who i've never met messaged me and was just like oh i've just taken a job at such and such and i knew the people and he said oh do you know this this lady and i i replied i never reply like this i'm not this kind of person like an absolute lad, and was like, "Oh, mate, are you what? Are you trying to shagger or something?" Thinking it was my mate that I'd known for years, and this guy replied like, "Ha ha ha, lads, lads!" And then for about half the day, I was replying. I was with my son, and I was just thinking it was my friend. So I was like, "Yeah, go on, mate." Like, Ugh. and then it clicked, and I was like oh shit so i had to send him a voice note going mate i am so i'm mortified i've been messaging you thinking he was like no nah, mate it's all right and i was like i'm so embarrassed and he was like it's it's all good mate it's all good but yeah i'm one of those people who's just like a yes man a talker i'll say anything and not really think so. Yeah. yeah for me i was like oh i was mortified
0: love it i love it um i just want to kind of run through a couple of questions that as i said the audience had that i think um could be you know as i said beneficial um answers from yourself the first person came and said could you come and cook for me at some point because i tagged you in the um post and they went and obviously <laughs> i was like um i know she lives in australia so i don't know as you said uh, whether you're out here again and um Maybe you're not going to kind of go to this person's house and do the helicopter or the um the wristwatch <laughs> and then cook for them, but helping hygiene. <laughs> yeah, maybe you next time out here. Um but people um they were asking questions about the different oils um for cooking in salad. Like there's ones that you should use for salads and ones you shouldn't cook because they've got very low burning points and things. Can you kind of just run through very quickly like where the very low burning points they should be used as salads and then the high ones, yeah, use these for cooking?
1: Yeah, yeah so yeah this comes up a lot on my page because i use sesame oil to cook with and then everyone's just like you know that the sesame oil is a finishing oil and i'm always just like well to be honest it it doesn't bother me you know like what, what's the what's the issue like if you're going to be looking at this top end level chefs then yes you'd probably get shouted out for using sesame oil to cook with but for me i'm just like grow up it's all right still tastes the same to me i'm quite happy um so the things that you would have like high smoke point oils would be like veg oil sunflower oil peanut oil those kind of things they're what you would find in like a, a deep fat fire fryer or if you're going to do something that's like a super high sear again it's it's a, it's a sort of a pernickety thing that people get at with olive oils where they have a, like quite a low smoke point they'll start to burn and go bitter but for us to taste it like building up your palate I think is very very like a it's, it's a very small shift like if you was i cook with olive oil all the time but like a lighter olive oil so that extra virgin sort of like cold press stuff if you were to start cook with that it would probably you would taste it be quite bitter um so yeah for me cooking oils i kind of like light olive oil or like a pomace oil there's something that i would always fry with use for like rubbing on stuff that kind of thing if you want to make a dressing then you don't want the that oil needs to play a role. You know, you're not just putting oil in there for volume. You're like That's pointless. You're putting that oil in to taste of something. So sesame oil, you put in because you want that extra virgin olive oil. You put it in because it's got that bitter note to it. That's why you do like if you're making a very simple vinaigrette, you would have like a bitter olive oil and then you would have lemon juice, which is the acid, which will kind of like help balance that, salt, which will help balance. And then a touch of sweetness so like sugar or, or honey, which will help, you know, if you think about that as a whole, it, that's why it works. You know, that's mm. what we say. Why does it work? <laughs> because you think of all of those flavors. So yeah, in short, the oils are, yeah, high smoke points, which are like veg, sunflower or your sort of like nut oils, and then as you go down your olive oils and stuff like that, the lighter, the pomace oils you can just use for general cooking, olive oils are, yeah, the extra versions, the ones that you would use for for dressings and stuff like that.
0: Just on that point, I know someone asked it of me a while ago, and <clears throat> I know the, there's certain people on, online saying, you know, seed oils are the devil. They get carcinogenic. We shouldn't be going near these kinds of things. They're horrible. I mean, just your two cents on that, if you've got any kind of, um, you know, any
1: player, any kind of yeah. voice on that at all. I, I, again, I'm one of those people that's just like, really? Like, I, I get it. I get I get. there's the science. I'm not I'm not a denier. I'm a big science fan and I get all of this. But <clears throat> I've been cooking, like, again, with, like, nonstick pans. And people were like, oh, if you use nonstick pans and you hit them too high, you're going to get this, you know, all of these chemicals are going to end up killing you. And I'm like, you've probably eaten out in restaurants where you've eaten off of pans that are so black and so burnt that you have no control over that is that really gonna like affect your life the carcinogenic piece i i really understand like you know when you char something it can produce carcinogens all that kind of thing but i don't i i can't comment on how many people have got you know is it this is me being very naive carcinogens is cancer right
0: yeah yep yep
1: (laughs) yeah so how many like what's the the correlation with carcinogenic foods and cancer is if there's a link then i'll love to do some like read up and do my research properly on it but i, I the people throw these things out because they've read it somewhere or heard it somewhere and then all of a sudden people piggyback and jump on it if there is an overwhelming amount of research and we shouldn't do it then i'm I'm happy to learn but yeah it's, for me i'm just like
0: <laughs> it's
1: the big oil company trying minute. to um
0: you know try and cover up all of the carcinogenic uh, oils that they're giving to us so
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's, yeah there's always a point a finger to point at something isn't there <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely um someone has said that um uh, egg muffins might always sink is there a way to kind of prevent that from happening
1: yeah so so with so an egg muffin depends what the recipe is quite hard to say but the recipe yep. that i do for my son is egg self-raising flour a bit of baking powder so the flour is your structural element of a dish so if you're doing a cake if you're you're you like baking right if you do a souffle which is basically just eggs whipped eggs and then you have a bit of the creme pat which is the flavor we'll have a little bit of flour in there which is like gives it that stability if you cook a souffle really quickly it'll rise up it'll look perfect and you'll be like ah i'm a king you'll pull it out because there's no structure it will sink so the speed that you cook something at is almost as like a souffle should rise gradually, 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 gradually. It'll get to that point. You continue cooking, which will give it the structure. Then it will hold. So with a muffin, if you cook it really quickly, you'll be like, ah, oh, lovely. Like if you was doing a cupcake as well, it'd rise up and look lovely. And then it will collapse. So if you're doing an egg muffin, I would always think about putting something like a self-raising flour or a plain flour baking powder to give you that structure. Then it will hold. That's what I'd say.
0: Cool, cool um how to not make mushy vegetables that taste delicious like they have at the pub i i read this and i'm like i haven't been to many pubs that have really good tasting veggies (laughs) they normally are just bland mushy but whoever this person is and whoever whatever pub they're going to i'd love to know what pub they are because i've never come across really tasty veggies in just a kind of pub meal but to kind of answer their question like yeah how to kind of i guess lift up veggies rather than just being a mushy overcooked kind of thing on the side that is just a, an afterthought.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. So things that people need to understand about restaurants is that they never cook or they do cook, but they don't really cook things to order. The reason they come in and do prep for service is let's take broccoli. For example, if you was to get some raw broccoli and cook, it will take three to four minutes to cook. Um, and if you're doing service, you haven't got time to go right. There's 15 different tables with 20 different orders. Let's put a bit of broccoli in for each of them. The technique that they use for vegetables is blanch and refresh. So I spoke about this a lot over the Christmas period about getting prepped in advance. So you take your broccoli, you plunge it into boiling water and cook it for like 30 seconds. Take it out and refresh it into ice cold water. What that will do is it will cook it a little bit. So it's still going to be pretty raw but it's cooked it a little bit. Once you put it in the ice cold water, it stops cooking. Okay. It will stay beautiful and green at this stage. You can freeze it It's best to blanch and refresh vegetables before freezing it. But when you reheat it, all you need to do a little bit of water, a little bit of butter, pinch of salt, maybe some lemon juice and then just reheat it in a pan and it will taste amazing. Um, so that's a technique you can use for anything like Brussels sprouts, your cabbages, blanch and refresh that. Broccoli again, cauliflower, all of these things, um, and also charring ingredients that we spoke about earlier, like the the free amazing flavor you can get from just raw broccoli, little bit of oil on a char grill pan, and just let it burn a little bit, get those carcinogens working, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know roll it round, and <clears throat> this is a science thing. Again, maybe you might be able to know the answer. Uh, non-heme, um, oh, what was it? I, I worked with a nutritionist because I was in PT for a bit. Non-heme iron is that a thing? So if you have green vegetables like broccoli, and then you put lemon juice with it, then the non-heme something—it's very it to good. Bind, for you to, you have... yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. lemon juice and green carnivorous vegetables or whatever makes it taste amazing, but also is very good for your health. <laughs> Beautiful,
0: I like it. Um, this this person's kind of asked. Um, to ask you the importance of using organic food, grass-fed kind of free range type products. I'm going to kind of just presume what he's asking is, are they infinitely better? Like we're led to believe is my steak or my chicken that I get off the ordinary supermarket shelf, maybe not as good, but it's, it's fine or the kind of, you know, organic foods, you can just go for normal and they're just as good. Like, so, kind of answering that question: Should I organic? Should I not organic? Is there a big kind of difference between? Yeah, them?
1: <laughs> it's, it's a it's a big talking point, right? It's like <clears throat> so the long the long the longish answer is like I'm I'm one of those people that's like a man of the people that's just like buy your ingredients what you can afford and make sure you enjoy it, make sure you cook it well, and make sure you eat it. Therefore, that answers the question of food waste for me. If you start buying organic, grass fed. Of course, it's infinitely better for you. But can you afford to make that jump? Um, if you're talking about, um, uh, like, I suppose, ethics and um, animal welfare, the stuff that you're paying top dollar for, of course, it's going to be you know way better. But in the modern world, I do believe that there is com- some kind of like nice fine line where there is legislations in place that means that they can't do certain things i think we end up watching like cowspiracy and all of those things we end up going oh my god you know we're all going to turn into aliens if we eat you know cucumber that's got pesticides on it i think i get a lot of comments on my thing like you don't wash your vegetables and i'm just like oh man i've done worse things i put worse things in my body than you know an unwashed carrot so i wouldn't worry um but yeah i mean if you have you know it's the, it's the money talk isn't it if you have the money to spend organic and you don't mind making that expense I would 100% go for that um just due to the quality of the produce when you taste a carrot that is organic or you know whatever versus like a supermarket that's not you can taste the difference but I, I, I can't be that guy that's like you must eat organic mm. because some people just can't and I think you know when I Go back, and I talk about food waste. This is where a lot of the chefs that are talking on this top level is what is forcing they're forcing people to do. Which is yes, it's better for the food system globally, but not everyone can afford to do that. So you're alienating you know ninety percent of the world that can't afford to eat food that's come from regenerative farming or any of this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a tricky one, really. Can I ask if if you have an opinion or kind of
0: any knowledge on it? Is there a way that we can? I mean as you said, kind of those shows that shine a light on factory farming and some of the monocrop type stuff where they're just planting mass fields of one plant and killing off heaps of things and all of that kind of talk. Yes, we'd love to obviously get rid of those kinds of things and I think there should be ways that we kind of, but can we feed our planet by more ethical kind of based, as you said, regenerative farming, more free-range type um, you know, so we're taking care of the animals apart from their one bad day that they have, like, is there ways that we can do that and still feed the world and kind of get that food to them in a, in a cost effective way where that lower class people who, as I said, we're spoken to and say, you should yeah. be eating grass fed. And it's like, I can't even afford to buy carrots. Don't tell me to eat, you know, a $27, um, you know, 200 grand piece of steak. Like, is there a way yeah. we can, um, is there a kind of ethical, efficient, effective, cost effective way to kind of feed the world in those kinds of ways?
1: absolutely it's so my friend that i mentioned earlier connor uh connor spacey is an amazing chef you should talk to him he will shine a light bigger than i can on him whenever i go and talk to him it's just like, like eye-opening so very this is, don't take this as gospel like if you speak to him this is like he'll explain it properly but the way that um we can feed the world on uh, on better food is through the government's doing more the government subsidizing local farmers so he works for a company that basically helps initiatives uh, or helps companies with initiatives that will give a farmer subsidy to grow their crops so for example in a very simplistic mathematical equation uh, a, a farmer grows a bag of potatoes and we can buy it for a pound and the government are giving him 50p then he will make that 50p but it's cheaper for us to like go elsewhere to get that potato. So we could go to, let's say Australia, for example, and it's cheaper for us to ship it in, get it from you to here for a pound than it is to pay the man that lives next door to us because the way that the different governments subsidize different farmers. Sure. So he explained it to me and I was just like, what's So It's cheaper for me to get a pepper from, you know, Morocco than it is here. And it's he like, yeah, because the governments look after the farmers in a certain way that makes it cheaper to get in. So if governments, again, this is not my my bag, this is where I kind of take a step back and I'm let like Connors of the world talk about this stuff. There's a, a company called Chef's Manifesto. If you look at them, they talk about all of this. How do you create a global food system that works? Because at the minute it doesn't work. And they talk a lot about this, subsidizing local farmers so they can produce quality food that doesn't cost us the earth. You know, that's basically what they do.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, 2016, um, I I took a year off from work and life. And, again, I've detailed this story before on the podcast and whatnot. But um, I went and lived in the south of France for a year. And I know it sounds very lavish and very luxury and very planned, (laughs) but it was. um, But we were staying in Aix-en-Provence for probably three or four months. Um, We we moved around, but for the first part, it was there. And in the middle kind of center of town, every single day um, there was like a, a farmer's market um, that was there. So the local chicken guy came in and he had roasted chickens up on his wall. And then the local, you know, strawberry guy came in and then the lo- like they had all of the fresh fruits and fresh veg. And to your point that you were saying before, like if you've tasted a carrot that's being grown completely organically and, you know, well, it tastes so much different to the carrot that you normally get from the supermarket, I remember that wholeheartedly. And as soon as you did that, like it just brought back memories of me walking those farmer's markets and just eating those. And so I kind of just full circle to kind of come back to you is that we've, we've just moved into a new house and across the road from us every second Saturday is a farmer's market that are there. And Mm. I'm really excited by that fact because we haven't really had one where we were living kind of thing. And so the fact that we've got this now um, from us, I'm really excited about just kind of walking down there is like, is it to encourage kind of that in your local kind of source that out to kind of, I guess, support your local guys. And I find more often than not, those farmers markets are actually cheaper than kind of going to the shops anyway, because it's, it's direct to consumer. They don't have to worry about overheads and things like that. Is it kind of, is that another way to kind of help that system out as well?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's the things in our life that we need to think is, is the convenience, right? It's the convenience of walking past a shop and, you know, a supermarket and being like, oh, I just need to grab something for dinner. Whereas farmers markets, you know, like you said, they're every other Saturday or whatever. So it's that kind of like thing going, right, I'm going to have to think about that. You know, it's not it's not the, the continual purchases that we need. So if there was more support and more demand for those kind of things, then absolutely. There is demand for it. But, you know, you think supermarkets is it's the choice we're it's a horrendous thing it's an amazing thing but a horrendous thing that we are just spoiled for choice how do you want to eat oh I could have Thai I could have chun. oh I can go and get some you know yakki udon or I can go and get this at a, at a click of a finger you know and we're disappointed when we can't have what we want yeah. whereas if you take a step back back to like post-war they ate they ate what they had it was that thing about going right we don't waste anything because we, we know we can only get X or we can only get X. It's not like frivolous behavior. Like we are now it's, it's not, mo- it's the modern world, which is just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well, kind of, to, kind of, I guess, come on to that then is like, it's, it's hard to take things back. Like it's like, okay, you've got this, no politician, no kind of person worth their Want to kind of keep their job at the top of where they are. is going to say, you know what? We need to take things away from people. Cause, the long tail is it's going to work out well, but in the short tail, I'm going to lose my job. People are going to hate me. I'm not going to do that. So, where do we start then? Like, I mean, again, I know it's a very big kind of global kind of yeah. question, but like, how do we convince, be it the local government, the federal government, or people in our local community to think like, you know, let, let's shop locally, let's support our local farmers? People go, but I could just walk across to the suit. The, like, how, how do we kind of get that mentality to kind of start? start that snowball moving. So it can become a, yeah. a a freight train at some point where we are actually, as you said, the world system of food isn't fucked up.
1: Yeah. I think there's a couple of things. Again, I always talk about my friend Connor, but he always said that the, the way that things will happen is only by people buying into something together and making a global movement. And he's like, if you supermarkets work by the way that people shop. So If we went into a supermarket and we didn't buy oranges, for example, like the whole world didn't buy. There'll be no demand for it. So the supermarkets are all about making money. So they wouldn't buy oranges That's very black and white and simple. But we can skew the way that people buy and the way that people or that supermarkets shop. But it comes down to that whole split in like how much do people really care, you know, and it's sad, you know, I care, but I still shop quite badly because the content I produce isn't like, you know, pushing this this hierarchical message. The way that the beautiful way it could work is if is as everyone talks about having independence, you know, like independent, you'd have all, every space would have their own little butchers, their own little veg store, their own little like, you know, fromagerie, you know, like all of those kind of things like small villages have. But in reality, if you live in a big city, is that really going to function? Is that really going to work? So, yeah, it's I, I think the thing that I've kind of learned is that there are people with a lot of money that are willing to invest in these projects, but they just don't they just don't get the the momentum and the people in the communities don't buy into them enough to make them worthwhile. There's a lot of like zero waste shops you know like bulk buy shops that you take zero packaging to the amount that have closed in our local area because there's just not enough demand for it you know because again it comes down to that money thing like would you go to tesco's and buy five pound soap or would you go to a zero waste thing that's saving the planet and spend 15 pound you know for people that haven't got that 10 pound flex it's a big ask um and again this comes down to like can the government's subsidize these places so we can get cheaper stuff that's not covered in plastic and whatnot but these are the big answers that i probably don't have <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we could sit here and um
0: have a bottle of wine and talk over it and we probably still won't be able to solve it all but oh um, mate I, yeah yeah <laughs> i think the fact that we're talking about it i hope that does shine a light. and i mean i certainly will um you know push you after the show if i can get a contact of um connor as i say because i mean this stuff does yeah, yeah. interest me I'm, I'm really fascinated by kind of world economics and i don't mean to bore people here when i start when you hear the word, world world economics people like, yeah i'm out see you later yeah kind of thing but just the kind of how we do kind of operate as an as a complete kind of circuitry of kind of you know as i said negotiating governments and like we can do this for you with free trade and da-da, all that it, it baffles me as you said that we're getting certain ingredients from this country when it's like I know we produce them in that state. Why don't we just get them from there? And then you've just shined. Oh, I didn't realize it. Oh, because they subsidize yeah. this. it's actually cheaper to ship. And I'm like, what? How does that make sense? So it's an yeah. interesting topic. It's t- something t- that I'm yeah.
1: Another fascinating person you should try and talk to is Doug. I always talk about him. Doug McMaster. He is the person that set up the first zero waste restaurant. Um, and the philosophy is, how do you live without a bin? you know and you know let that sink in you try and live a day without using your bin at home and it is like you're you're sort of wandering around going well where do i put this (laughs) you have to think and this is like the food waste world is so creative and the sustainability world is so creative because of these simple questions that you ask yourself and try and figure out you know like i've got a load of onion skins you would normally just put in the composter in the bin but like what if you know ask yourself the question what if i did this like if It fucks up, don't worry about it. If but what if you made an amazing onion powder or you used it to make a you know a stock or a vinegar or all of these things? And then um, yeah, his restaurant silo is basically created. I talk to him a lot, his is very, very like out there, it's mad. But the only reason his restaurant silo works is because he's built an infrastructure around him that doesn't rely on anything that is bigger than you know small holdings. So if he if he wants to make butter he won't buy butter he'll buy milk and it will come in an old school milk urn because that creates no waste right so then he will turn that into butter the way will be used to do something else if he wants to source meat from somewhere he uses someone called the ethical butcher so then they use old dairy cows or they use venison because they're like the rats of the world you know like and it's all of these things that his waste is like he calls it cosmic waste and it's like a bucket this big at the end of every month you see it and it is insane insane oh, but oh, these things only work yeah if all of these pieces can be controlled and that's the thing you can't control larger communities i will say the
0: the when you said um onion skins my my mind went straight to um your potato skins that you always do I love when you, you peel off a potato and as I said, most people just kind of take those and throw them in. It's like, what are you doing? Put them in a pan, a little bit of oil and into the oven. And then you, you know, I always see you eat them at the end of your videos, just crunching on these yeah. potato skins. I'm like, oh, I remember going to restaurants that would actually have potato skins in like, you went to like, I don't know whether you guys had it, but we had smorgies here. It's, it's gone out of business now. And it was like a, an all you can eat buffet. And it had the the salad bar, the, the Asian bar, the Mexican bar, and you kind of go around and they always had, potato skin like crisps that have obviously been fried up and as soon as i saw that video my mind went straight back to going to one of those places and like ah oh, i remember that but it's little <laughs> things like that as you said that just i think people just completely forget or kind of don't think about like how could i have used that elsewhere and so it's, it's a good point yeah, yeah yeah
1: just gave uh, a pen because i just thought of my question
0: Oh, excellent. Um, I will ask you, there's one <laughs> well, There's one final question here that kind of came from the audience and then I'll, uh, I'll get on to, I said, the uh, previous guest's question. But um, yeah. you kind of, you, you've tipped on this anyway, but kind of just to kind of round it out. Um, tips to cook once, but eat, she put eat thrice. So like cooking one thing, but kind of getting multiple things out of it. And my mind went straight when I read that. It's like cooking a lamb shoulder and then on the first night you can have a roast. The second night you've got a lamb salad. Then it like, is there, I mean, off the top of your head, what's the one thing that if you cook it here, you can then split it into it. Like what's your favorite way to kind of get that done?
1: This goes back to my childhood, but it's we used to eat like beef bolognese, like in about, this is no like shoot my mum and dad, but my God, the amount of ways they could reinvent a bolognese <laughs> was impressive, you know? <laughs> so, and it, and it sticks with me because, you know, they weren't brilliant cooks, but they still managed to like repurpose it in a way. So, We still do it now. We make a big batch of like lovely bolognese mince, you know, just super simple onions, garlic, you know, celery, carrots, whatever, beef mince, tomato, little bit of ketchup, secret ingredient, a bit of Worcestershire sauce, you know, and you've got a lovely bolognese. Spend your time and cook that down. So it's beautiful, you know, 45 minutes an hour. So all of that tomato reduces down. Once you've got that, as I said, you can freeze it into portions, but think of that, all of the places that you would then use, a lovely beef mincing in, you know, you could make a lasagna, you could have a bolognese, you could put some tinned kidney beans and some curry powder through and you've got like a chili con carne. You could uh use it for a taco. You know, it's it's so vast. So it's like one of those things that you could just like plop in and around and just make different meals. So yeah, that's one of the things. And it's such a good thing if you're like, oh God, I haven't done anything. You know, take one out of a sandwich bag, defrost it, use it, you're done. Perfect. Yeah, great answer. And I, it's
0: certainly one of my go-tos um, here and everything you named there was pretty much how I <laughs> repurpose uh, the bolognese. Yeah. Here. So I think that's a great way to um, do it. Um, Martin, I really appreciate your time. And I said, uh, I originally obviously reached out to you to talk um, about not only the food wasted stuff that you kind of talk about, but um, you know just how easy you make your cooking look and, and make it, appealing for people to cook as well at home and and i really appreciate that and i really love that and just for those at home and i'll put it in the show notes and i'll ask it uh, for you after it but where can people find you what's the best place to kind of um yeah see your content and kind of see what you do
1: yeah so it's so my handle is lagom l-a-g-o-m and then chef um tiktok is my my main thing if you're not on tiktok don't worry it's not just loads of girls it is like good there's some good content on there um yes i just i literally hit a million followers last week which was congratulations crazy thank you so much i i I didn't even think i'd have 50,000 at the beginning of the year but it's yeah just gone mad and then um i'm on instagram um my website's terrible but you can go there if you want there is a free recipe book on there and i got like a a food waste crash course, which is only like 10 pound. It's just like a 12 course little module thing that teaches you through. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome, mate. Well, I appreciate, as said, your time. And uh, I
0: let you know at the start of the uh, episode or before we got on air that I had a question for you at the end. And I know you've got your question now ready because it came to mind. But um, last week's (laughs) guest um, was asked to ask the next guest um, a random question. They said, what was the highlight of your last week?
1: oh god highlight of my last week uh um, blimey well there's it was quite a mad week last week (laughs) um so I got there was this sounds like quite I suppose fickle but I had two jobs that came in that have basically gone your next six months are looked after so for me struggling for the last three years like being skinned I took a huge loan out to sort of like help us during lockdown everything like that to have that in my head to kind of go fuck this is the first time that I've been able to like relax and go okay things are all right you know so yeah that was quite a quite a big moment for me really because yeah the, like I said my TikTok has grown over the last six months jobs have come in they've been nice and like things have been going well but to have those two jobs that kind of like got signed off and be like right hang on this is this is all right we yeah. can <laughs> we can relax and we can carry on enjoying ourselves that was yeah that was I suppose my fickle piece but it's yeah it's made I, I'm I'm a very chill person and never really wished for much in life but I've always said that my wife grafts and we've got a kid and I was just like fuck, I'd love to be able to sort of just let her relax a little bit and like take the pressure off of her so that allowed it yeah and as they say the one of the best quotes in life happy wife happy life there we Absolutely, go mate. And I, <laughs> I think
0: that's a beautiful answer and I mean you you seem like a very humble um, person to me in the fact the way that you answered that um, I think was very beautiful in that you know you said that that being able to allow your wife to you know maybe have that moment of whew, we can relax a bit and you, you you certainly saw that come across your face right? And I mean due to your yeah. hard work and um, what you've been putting into your content and um, from a viewer of your content and a follower of your content um i certainly appreciate what you do and um i think you deserve every success mate so i appreciate um that answer and i wish you
1: nothing but success (laughs) moving forward Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been a wild ride, but things that the ship is steadying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just, it's, it's interesting
0: the kind of you say that, because I, I started a TikTok page. I've always had fitness, a fitness page. And um, I, I wrote a book and it's, it's kind of why I'm here. Um, but I just got a bit bored of the kind of fitness stuff. Like I've been, I've been in the industry for 20 years and it's kind of like, I love it. As I said, I love helping people, but saying the same thing over and over. And so for me, I love baking, I love cooking, and I love eating. And so I started yeah. a page because my wife always sits there and goes, can you stop talking with your mouthful? I'm, I'm terrible. I, I'm like, <laughs> like this. And I thought, people hate it, and you need to be polarizing, and I think you need to kind of, and people love, as you said, watching people eat. They love watching people review foods and things like that. So I started a TikTok page called Mouthful Food Reviews. And what I do is I either do my own baking or I go out and get something else and I eat it and really put on the fact that I'm eating and reviewing this food with my mouth full. And I'm like, this food is a bacon, this food's dripping out. (laughs) And I was kind of a bit, is this a bit stupid? I don't know. But just hearing you say what you do, I really get a kick out of it. I love it. I love eating and I love reviewing food and telling people how much I love it as well as my baking. And just hearing you say that, you know what? I started this six months ago and things took off. I'm like... I've just been inspired. I'm going to go head, headstrong into it. I love it. And I, I'm going to go more into
1: it. So I tell, why not? I tell you what, like, I, I always say to people, like, they're like, going, oh, why are you so happy? And I'm like, people tend to focus on too many things, right? I love food. My life is so simple in that aspect that I just like 100% love food. It's like one of the one things I really, really love. And I just say, find that one thing that you enjoy and just like run headfirst at it the opportunities that can come from doing that i know i can say this from a place of like things are all right now you know and it's very i hate it when people do that i used to work for someone that used to push this do you know joe wicks yeah yeah yep the body coach yeah yeah so i used to work for him right i used to do like recipe development for him won't tell you the whole backstory but his life was actually quite nice before he became very rich so he lays on this story of just like, just do that one thing you love and everything will be okay. Da, da, da. It doesn't fucking happen to everyone. And I'm not going to be that person that's going to sugarcoat it and be like, do that one thing you love. But I just love food. And that has always been my focus in life. And I've always felt that, you know, like if you do that, you'll enjoy yourself no matter what. Success will come from hard work and grafting and putting something in. Like no one's going to see you on TikTok for doing one video and go, Oh yeah, great. We'll give you this brand deal for X amount of money. No, it's not going to happen. You have to be present. You have to continue to do something. So when you said, I'm going to start doing it, I'm just like, do it. If if you love it, do it. Carry on doing it. Who gives a shit? Like, don't worry about it. If people are, like going to take the piss out of you, it's all right. You love oh, I it. Love Carry it. on doing it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you never know what will happen from it. You know, like you you start, like this is me giving you like social media advice, but I'm terrible. But it's like, you do that, that video, it becomes a series. There was a guy who basically went to restaurants with a hundred dollars and he went, order what order what you think I should eat to the waitress. And that was it. That's what the series became. And it became this huge thing. So for you going to places just being like, But I'm yeah, I've got twenty dollars, but order what you think I should eat, and you eating it and doing your review in your style, people would <laughs> it'll pop off. Serious and it. people and that one thing, people people look for that golden ticket which you just don't know with TikTok. It could be the most stupid thing, like me, great and frozen ginger.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, that was <laughs> well, it's, my it, golden it ticket. It. <laughs> it's, I certainly
0: didn't have a million views from it. It was a couple of thousand. And for me, it was a kind of, oh, my yeah. God, a thousand. I was eating, I don't know, do you have Zupa dupers? I think you call them lolly ice lollies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know an ice lolly,
0: yeah. <laughs> so we call them Zupa dupers over here. And I was sitting there and eating a sour watermelon one. I love sour watermelon flavor. And I'm crunching on this sour watermelon flavor saying how much I love it. And the ice is dripping out of my mouth and I just love eating. And yet I just said, it was so random. Like I thought I'd baked this beautiful chocolate brownie the week before. And like, it got 37 views. And here I am crunching (laughs) on an ice lolly and people like there's thousands of comments of like thousands of views and comments just going, who is this guy eating an ice lolly like this? What's he doing? Watermelon's disgusting. I'm like, this just doesn't make sense to me. Why are people on this one? But this amazing brownie that I did last week got 27 views kind of thing. But as you said, I just love eating food and I love reviewing it. So
1: yeah. And that's the beauty of TikTok. It's so random. You just never know what will pop off and what will and what won't. And you could spend, I did a video the other day and I was like, people are going to love this. Did it. And it was like, you know, for me it was like bad views. I was like, Oh, that's a bit disappointing. But like, yeah, just, (laughs) You did that watermelon one. and Someone would have commented something. This is the thing that I always say about chat again, social media, right? Break the word down into social and media. Media is the, the stuff that you put out, the video, the picture, the whatever. The social aspect is the piece that people forget. You have to be social on social media. You have to reply to comments. You have to engage with people. Otherwise, it is absolutely pointless being on there. So for you doing that Zoopa Loopa video and then someone going, oh, I hate watermelon, you to reply with a different flavored lollipop video, they'll be like, this guy's real. He does engage with his audience, you know? And then that's where things snowball because I reply to every comment with as much as I can. I would sit there and give them a unique response. And then people were like, oh, he's, he's educating us in the comments. He's giving us back. That's how things grow, you know? So, Absolutely. Cool, cool. Well, um, I'll ask you
0: now, um, next guest um, that comes on next week, you don't know who they are. What's the question
1: you'd love yeah. to ask them? So my question would be, what is your earliest memory of food? Um, And not in like a child sense, but I have a very nostalgic. um, There's Kitchen Confidential, a book by Anthony Bourdain. He says this part where one of his earliest memories was eating cheesy butter. So like in France, like when you go to France, you have proper butter. You're like, is it cheese or is it butter? You never know. And then when I read that, my it was almost like I blacked out and I instantly had this recollection of eating really cheesy butter in France and hating it because I was like what is this I just want spread so yeah and the food is such a nostalgic thing for me so yeah what's the their nostalgic piece it's interesting.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll wait to ask that question um, next week. So I appreciate that. But, um, but Martin, again, I appreciate everything as um, said that you're doing and what you're doing. And I said, I loved our conversation today and everything that uh, our journey of this conversation went through today. And um, yeah, I appreciate your yeah. time. Mate. Thank you so much.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me.
0: Anytime um, guys. That's been another episode of the let's just talk podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. I love you all. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.